Hello, and welcome to Episode 7 of Take These Songs, a podcast about music lovers and the songs that they are committed to. My name is Madalano Martin. I'm the host and creator of this podcast. Thank you for being here. I appreciate it. Will I keep giving what episode number the episodes are at the top of the show? I don't know. I feel like you probably already had that information before you hit play on this episode of the podcast. So perhaps I'll stop doing that in the future. Maybe I'll keep it going. Maybe that'll just be our trademark is that we always let you know exactly when and where you are in the podcast lineage. We'll find out together as we move forward in this journey of podcasting and listening to the podcast. I have not had very much coffee today. Can you tell? If I could ask one quick favor of you, dear listener, it'd be that you like this episode, you rate and review it, and then subscribe to the podcast. These things are very important to help grow the podcast, pushes the algorithm so that the podcast shows up in more people's feeds, they can discover it, and the more people who get on board, uh, just the better this whole thing is going to be. So if you don't mind, if you can take a few minutes, we would really appreciate that. Again, like, rate, review, and subscribe. It would mean a lot to us. We have another fantastic episode for you today, but before we get to that, if it is your first time, I'll very quickly explain the podcast to you. We invite a guest to bring four songs to the podcast, four songs that emotionally resonate with them in some way. And those songs fall underneath the categories of something old, which is any song that is 25 years old or older, something new, which is a song that was released within the last year, something borrowed, which is a cover, and something blue. And that last category doesn't necessarily have to be a sad song. It can be, but it's just something that resonates uh, maybe a little bit deeper than the other three categories. For those of you that don't know, my day job, I'm a stand-up comedian, and I do want to let you know some of the areas I will be doing stand-up comedy. I will be performing my day job duties. March 31st, you can catch me at Thu Brewing in Iowa City, Iowa. April 1st and April 2nd, I will be at the Funny Bone in Des Moines, Iowa. Nice little three-day weekend in Iowa. All three of those shows, I'll be with my good friend Brent Terhune. You can get tickets for those at my website, which is madalanomartincomedy.com. So that's M-A-T hyphen A-L-A-N-O hyphen M-A-R-T-I-N hyphen comedy.com. You can also check out clips of me doing stand-up and all that kind of good stuff uh, if you feel so inclined. Today's guest is a fellow stand-up comedian, Sean Smith from Louisville, Kentucky. I've known Sean for quite a while. Uh, we've done several shows together over the years and, uh, and a great guy. And when I started this podcast, just someone I immediately thought of because not only is he a comedian, but he's a huge music lover. He's actually combined the two. His album, You Don't Look Funny, incorporated a lot of musical elements, including full-on, uh, I don't want to say parody songs, but musically comedic songs, if that makes sense. You can uh, actually check out a music video for the single from that album. The song was called P2 off of the You Don't Look Funny album. You can see that video at his website, which is seansmith.com. Uh, he, puts a little, he puts a little flavor on his last name for the website. So that is S-E-A-N-S-M-Y-P-H dot com. You can check out videos, not only the music, video for p2 but also stand-up clips from him sketch stuff that he's done uh he's just been involved in a lot of different things over the years and you get a good sampler of all that stuff on his website seansmith.com and if you want to see sean perform live you can do that april 15th and the 16th at planet of the tapes in louisville kentucky but right now let's get to know the music fan side of sean with his first two picks for this episode of take these songs All right, hello. My name is Sean Smith, um, comedian, um, entrepreneur, uh, educator, um, and lover of 
music. Uh, usually I love really bad music, but I feel like that would be really bad on this podcast. Um, I am I am like the uh, science fiction 3000 for music. If it is uh, done in great effort but came out poorly, I'm your guy. I love that. But I also love R&B music. I'm a huge R&B fan. Um, and so with that, thank you for having me on Take These Songs. Uh, shout out to Madelano Martin for asking me to do this. Um, I love music podcasts, so I'm very grateful to be a part of this. The first song I'm going with is the Something Old, and I'm going with Stevie Wonder, uh, Rocket Love. Now, Stevie Wonder is my all-time favorite artist um, for many reasons. Not just because of his amazing run in the 70s where he won Album of the Year three years back-to-back to back, back, um, but also for the lore that surrounds Stevie Wonder. I, I love the stories of him flying a plane, actually landing a plane, um, that's something that people can look up. It's insane that uh, he would do that. But from what I've understood and listening to countless hours of podcasts and interviews about Stevie Wonder, he used to um, kind of uh, uh, encourage people to make him do, to let him do things that people uh, of sight could, could and would normally do. Um, one of those things is that he would often pay people or encourage people to let him drive their car while he gave directions. Um, this is only important because it is rumored, and I'm not making this up, the rumor is that um, Stevie Wonder in the 1970s, I believe it was 73, had a car wreck, and he was in a coma, and he barely survived. It was this terrible, terrible car wreck that he almost lost his life to, and the rumor is is that he was actually driving when this terrible car wreck happened and uh nobody nobody talks about it there's also a story that um ray parker jr told uh that i heard one time about stevie wonder's uh drummer and him having an argument and the drummer decided that he wanted to fight stevie wonder but to make it uh an even fight the drummer decided that he wanted to fight him blind so that he wouldn't you know, <clears throat> be pegged as the guy who beat up the blind person. Unfortunately, what you have done when you fight someone who is blind and you blindfold yourself is that you take away the one advantage that you have. So Stevie Wonder proceeded to beat the crap out of this dude, which I I just think is hilarious. A female Shakespeare of your time with looks to Stevie Wonder has an album um, <clears throat> where he calls it the the life of plants, and it and it kind of flops. And it was the one flop that he had, and he came back 
with an incredible album. And on that album, he gave birth to one of my favorite songs um, because Stevie Wonder is great at catching a lot of different emotions. I'll tell you how I came into Stevie Wonder was in college. I had a horrible first semester in college. You know how college is. College is tough. Uh, It is the first major change. You're away from home. You've got new friends. I had a girlfriend at the time. The girlfriend broke up with me. I thought I was going to marry her at the time because I was a stupid kid, and that's what stupid kids think. And so I'm heartbroken. I stopped going to class. Oh, man. Now I'm, I'm failing. And I'm, I, I think I got like a .08 and almost failed out of college in my spring semester. And I got this letter in the mail, and I just came back from a final and I'm depressed, I'm sleeping all the time, just miserable. And a Stevie Wonder song comes on on my playlist for once in my life. And I heard it, and it was uh, one of those moments when you feel like the radio, at the time my Dell laptop was talking to me, it was giving me the voice of what I felt was God talking to me and telling me, you know, um, that he was going to love me and care about my well-being and what was going on. I just thought that was so cool. And then I went on this deep dive of all of the Stevie Wonder stuff. And I grew up in a relatively old family too, right? Uh, I say old family. They will not be happy to hear that, but they were older than me. Um, my oldest sibling is 19 years older than me. My mom and dad were 40 and 39 when they had me. So I have a lot of music influence that is like from the 70s to about the 1950s. So um, I I have Stevie Wonder knowledge. I knew about Stevie Wonder, but I didn't have that personal connection to Stevie Wonder. And that moment changed that. And so then I go on this deep dive in Stevie Wonder. And he has a lot of music that is about the spirit or the soul or love and the the burdens of love or the issues of love. And my favorite song is off the album Hotter Than July in 1980. And it is called Rocket Love. The thing that I love about Rocket Love is that it captures a lot of different emotions musically, and that's hard to do. Um, Stevie Wonder has a voice, and sometimes artists do this, and I always think it's so cool, is that they take the voice of their instrument, and I feel like Stevie Wonder sings like he's playing the harmonica. Like he just has his range, the way that he accentuates notes and stuff always sounds like a harmonica to me um and with rocket love it starts off very solemn uh, almost like a takeoff in my uh opinion uh and there is the slow build-up and it's a very like haunting melody that he puts to it stevie also does a great job of 
writing lyrics that you can see and I know that sounds really crazy but lyrically he does a, a fantastic job of painting a picture in a way that people can see or take an experience from their own life and make it uh, a visual to the song that he's singing um, this song in particular Rocket Love is talking about this love that he had that uh, like a crush he had for years and you know, he the crush gave him a chance, and he was taken kind of on a ride. Like, she had him. Uh, they were in love. He was lost in love and all excited and then dropped down. The chorus being, you took me riding in your rocket, you gave me a star, but a half a mile from heaven you dropped me back down to this cold world. And I think it's amazing um because i think a lot of times too artists feel the need to rhyme every single word and he doesn't do that um but the way that he sings it it makes the it just has a flow and it's a beautifully the the there's strings involved um strings by paul riser who for years i thought like hey man the guy from my two dads is talented it's not that Paul Reiser, but um, he is uh, super talented. Paul Reiser's work is all over the place, especially during this time period. Um, the The strings are uh, beautifully recorded. The um, piano or the clavinet, which I, is Stevie Wonder's weapon of choice, um, is also great. It's just an amazing musical sweeping sound that starts very slow and very haunting and it grows into this groove and just jam. Stevie Wonder does all of the ad-libs that Stevie Wonder does. Stevie Wonder has a fun ad-lib where he kind of sounds like a Muppet, where it's like, and I love it every time he does that, because I try to imagine what is the guy in the booth thinking when Stevie Wonder starts doing the Grover sound? Like, is he just like, oh man, Stevie, you killing it? Or is he like, man, I really wish he wouldn't Grover on this one. I was hoping for more harmonica, Stevie. I don't know, but that is Rocket Love. Um, I, I I can go all day on Stevie Wonder, like I said. Um, and the Happy Birthday song that um, the majority of uh, black people, African-American people sing um, comes from Stevie Wonder. But maybe people don't know this, that he actually created that song as a campaign to have MLK day mlk's birthday martin luther king jr's birthday be recognized as a national holiday and without stevie wonder we might not be celebrating martin luther king day so a little bit more stevie wonder trivia um but yeah stevie wonder fantastic rocket love 1980 a year before i was born but the song still hits it's so amazing the next song i'm gonna go with is by something blue um, trying to get the the sad feels out of the way early in this 
Um, and I'm going to go with Prince's song uh, called Sometimes It Snows in April off of the Parade album released in 1986. My family is and was a huge Prince fan family. Um, we listened to Prince. I, I can remember listening to Prince since I was born. I was born in 81. And my brother, brothers, sisters, all huge fans. Um, I have so many fun memories of my brother playing um, songs on the piano that he learned by ear about Prince. I can remember being sick, uh, having a sick day home from school. I believe it was the chicken pox. And my brother sat with me and we recorded ourselves on a little cassette tape. And we rehashed all of, uh, I believe it was Sign of the Times. Um, we, we sung all of it in chipmunk style and had a great time. Um, as a kid, my voice was kind of a high-pitched voice. And so a lot of times my brothers would sing Prince's part and I would sell, sing whatever the female lead's part was. So I know tons of the female lead um, songs with Prince. Uh and he's an amazing artist. I, I, there's never been a time where I have doubted the artistry of Prince. Um, I had one girlfriend who scoffed at Prince and called him a rock artist. And I realized when she said that, that we actually could not be together. It was that strong of a love. Tracy died soon after a long civil war. Just after I wiped away his last year. So yeah, I'm I'm a huge Prince fan. I was born into it, and um, Under the Cherry Moon was his second um, movie after Purple Rain. Purple Rain smash hit, um, and Under the Cherry Moon was a follow up. It was in black and white. It's a, it's a very strange movie. Prince was not good at making movies, uh, and don't let anybody tell you anything different, but he was still such an artist. That, and as an artist myself, I appreciate that. I appreciate him just going for things and being confident enough to put himself out there, and nobody did that better than Prince. I mean, he's um, fantastic with that. So uh, Under the Cherry Moon was the album, and Parade was the soundtrack to that album. Um, and at that same time, again, just me knowing things about, uh, the artists that I love so much, Prince was in a space where he had been with, um, the revolution for a very long time. And creatively, he had reached a space when he was ready for a change, um, and, the revolution had created so much music with Prince and um, it was around this time when he and the revolution um, were breaking up and at the same time he had just proposed to his longtime girlfriend um, and proposed to her in Paris and had all these things set up and really was trying to make changes in his life to, to shift his creative energy and he ended up not getting married to that lady and 
he also um, did end up breaking up with um, the revolution. And I believe at this time, this is me just talking how I, I'm guessing Prince, because I do feel like he is somehow a part of my family or related or I share some type of creative bloodline with them and understand. I feel like there are time periods when you you mourn the transition and I believe the song that he wrote at the time was a song about him mourning the transition, knowing that it was time for an end and trying to figure out how to reconcile with himself on that. Sometimes it snows in April. It's a very melancholy song. And I would say that it's probably Prince's most melancholy song. It is totally intended to pull on the heartstrings. And it is... Uh, a song about death, really, and and how death is okay um, and, and a part of life and almost being proud of a friend who had died. Um, the first line of it was, Tracy died soon after a long-fought silver war, just after I'd wipe away his last tear. I guess he's better off than he was before. A whole lot better off than the fools he left here. It's very poetic. Um, and a lot of piano, uh, a lot of kind of like moaning or mourning uh, in the background. And it is it is hard to listen to for me. I, I, I don't think that I used to have such a strong... Um, connection to it um, but my last great Prince memory was my entire family got to see Prince uh, live he uh, had a concert uh, before he passed away in Louisville and my entire my all of my brothers and sisters minus one who couldn't be there were all able to go and see Prince live. And there's a picture of us going and we all look so electric. It was so fun. It was the first time, like I said, my, my family is a little bit older than me. My closest brother's 10 years older than me. So there haven't been a lot of times in adulthood where we've all been able to go out on a night and, and have fun. And that was that night. It was so cool to be able to see Prince live. He did like a little encore afterward. He did all the songs that you would want him to do. He had a little p piano performance solo. He did the guitar. He did, I mean, just incredible. Sometimes it snows in April. Sometimes I feel so bad, so bad. Sometimes I wish Then April 21st, 2016, Prince passed away. And kind of the feeling of getting older 
um, recognizing my own mortality and and the heroes that are passing as I get older. Um, and since then, my mom has passed away, and this song I now connect to kind of like the loss of um, childhood or young adulthood. And um, interestingly enough, Prince died on April 21st, 2016, and the song, Sometimes It Snows in April, was recorded 31 years exactly to the date that he died after a long-fought civil war with drugs. He was got addicted to drugs, pain medication, and unfortunately died from an overdose. And when I listen to the song now, which I still can't really listen to it, but it is haunting that it almost feels like he was eulogizing himself, um, which is just so wild. When things link sync up like that, it is just wild to me. But yes, so sometimes it snows in April. It's a very beautiful song. Again, it is, it's haunting to me to listen to, but I encourage anybody who um, wants to listen to, to do so. He performed it with Wendy and Lisa. He often collaborated with them, and it is a very stripped-down song, but it is it's beautiful. Sometimes it snows in April, something blue. Hey everybody, Matt here at the Halfway Point, jumping in real quickly to let you know that this episode of the podcast is brought to you by the Limestone Comedy Festival. Limestone Comedy Festival happening May 12th through the 14th in beautiful Bloomington, Indiana. It's a stand-up and podcast comedy festival. This is the ninth year, and headliners this year include Bob the Drag Queen from RuPaul's Drag Race, Chad Daniels, James Adomian, Emma Woolman, Ashley Gavin, Irene Tu, Emil Joaquim, Caitlin Palufo, and many more, featuring over 50 comedians from all across the country for three days of stand-up shows, podcasts, and an all-around amazing time. Festival badges are on sale right now. You can get all the information at limestonefest.com. Okay, that's it. That's all I needed to do. Ad read is done. Let's jump back into the podcast and discover Sean's picks for something borrowed and something new. My next one is something borrowed, and I'm going to go with D'Angelo. So for those of you who don't know, D'Angelo, again, staying kind of within this R&B fill, is um, the next one. He is the guy after Michael Jordan. He is LeBron. He is Kobe, I should say, I guess, depending on your age group. Um, D'Angelo is the heir apparent to the musician, singer, songwriter that Prince was at the time. And he is the leader of what they call the neo-soul movement. Now, for many of you who may not know what neo-soul is, it is the music that they play during McDonald's commercials for some odd reason. It's very hip and trendy, and you see uh, a lot of unique hairstyles, and uh, there's a McCafe. It's a wild scene, but... um, D'Angelo was the leader of this, and in 1995, he broke through with an album called Brown Sugar, and he had tons of songs in Brown Sugar, um, and they were, like, so well-respected, and 
and loved because it was fresh and it was like this old soul. There's a lot of like respect and love for this old soul music, but it had a new twist to it. Um, and it it's one of my favorite albums. Uh, it's one I think it's the first album I remember stealing from my sister. Sorry, Sherry, um, where she had it. And I just borrowed it and never gave it back because I loved it so much. Um, and so Brown Sugar is a, a fantastic album. And in 2000, he followed that up with Voodoo. Um, Voodoo is him, Jay Dilla, um, who passed away, but he was a, a unique producer at the time who made a lot of music um, that was in this Neo Soul vein. And also... Uh, who is now the drummer for Jimmy Fallon, but at the time was another one of the leaders in this neo-soul movement, which is Questlove. And so they made Voodoo, and Voodoo had Untitled, which is this ultra-sexy song that was written by him and Raphael Sadiq from Tony, Tony, Tony. And uh, D'Angelo spun around in a circle without a shirt on, and women went crazy. And he became a sex symbol, and... Neil Soul is breaking through the mold, and it is just this really powerful movement. And then D'Angelo disappeared, and he had no music. And what I've learned since is that from behind the scenes, D'Angelo um, had writer's block. And I was reading a book called The Creative Quest. Definitely, if you're a creative out there, I highly recommend you check it out. Um, it talked about this period for D'Angelo where he is essentially stuck. He had two albums that were just had blown up and, and had been critically acclaimed and then he he couldn't figure out who he was anymore. And writer's block for all musicians, creatives, uh, comedians, anybody can hit. And so one of the things in the creative quest that they suggested that people do when they hit a moment of writer's block, which I think is really smart, is to revisit um, works that you love and rehash them. So it could be your own work. It could be someone else's work. Um, you can you know, do uh, different colors if you're an artist. Or you can do anything um, just to, to try to switch it up and to get those creative juices working again. Because sometimes it's very hard to push forward um, when you're an empty vessel. So sometimes you have to, to revisit things that bring more light and energy to you so that you can say, hey, like this is how I was creative before. This is how other people have been creative. And maybe I can get that to build momentum going forward in writing or whatever I'm doing. And D'Angelo did this. And he did this for one of my all-time favorite songs called She Is Always In My Hair. She is always in my hair is a Prince song. Um, this song is now found on the hits and the B-sides album, She's Always in My Hair by Prince. Um, and it is a great song in its own way. I've always heard this song and feel like it's a very playful, flirty 
song about a guy in a relationship who um, always kind of she's knows that his girl is always around or his lady or his person is always around no matter what and how you know when those things work or when they don't she's always there um for me um my lady's hair is literally always in my hair so i i i feel like maybe prince was combing his hair and found his lady's hair in his hair and that happens to me all the time so maybe that's what the deal is i'm not really sure Prince's song is great. It has a great um, feel to it. Um, but this D'Angelo track, it is from 2008, the best so far. It is a collection of songs, like I said, that are kind of rehashed or revisited. Um, and some of his like greatest hits kind of album and some songs that he just put together. But this song, She Is Always In My Hair, in my opinion, is one of the rare times where someone does a um revisited track and they do it better than someone who is a master at music i mean to to outdo prince on a song that's saying a whole lot but even as the song is introduced the the first chords of this song is so uh powerful or so like um like just strong um, it changes the the mood of the artist singing the song. You can't perform the song the same way as Prince. They they took it and they they made it theirs. And D'Angelo really made this song his version of it. It is a very powerful like oh it just you listen to it like oh the guitar in it is is vivid um and it is it is my absolute favorite there's this is one of those songs that i will listen to just driving down the road on a nice day because it i don't know what it does to me it's a very strong song um whenever i feel like giving up whenever my sunshine turns to rain whenever my hopes and dreams are aimed in the wrong direction she's always there telling me how much she cares she's always in my head. And finally, I'm going to go with something new. Um, as a 40-year-old in the world today, I have come to the conclusion that new music is and should be for the 20 to 34-year-olds. Maybe even the 12-year-olds to 
34-year-olds at the oldest. I, I feel like new music, new words, new language, new styles are all for the ear of the younger. It's just what it is, and that's what it's been from the beginning of time. Um, but I love the feeling of finding people that I can connect with musically. And usually I can tell with the very beginning of their sound, whatever they're going for, it doesn't take long for me to attach. When I hear it, I know it. And I can't even necessarily explain to you what it is. It can be a groove. It can be a voice. Um, it, it, it's just something about finding new music for me. I, there are so many times that I can reflect on being in Ear Ecstasy. It was this record shop in the city I live in, Louisville, where you could... Um, pull out a CD and listen to it and I could go by the cover and just guess like oh maybe I would like this album maybe I won't sometimes they would suggest albums that people would like and I'd listen to those and I would spend like lunch breaks in there just trying to find these new music uh heroes and people that I love and like I said the older that I've gotten the more that that's kind of waned and and I hate that but I also understand that it's kind of a rite of passage. It's kind of how it goes. And it also makes it that much more special when I find artists that I like or that I like to the point of following and, you know, put it, trying to tell other people about what they do, who they are. Take me back to the distance, distance, distance. Late night cooking in the kitchen. time this has happened is this September, um, September 10th, 2021, uh, there was an artist named Yeba, and I've heard a lot of people who reference her, but I've always been skeptical. Just, I'm just a skeptic in general. Like, I, I just, for whatever reason, if you tell me somebody's great, I'm gonna need to see it. You're gonna have to prove it to me. That's just how I am. I shouldn't be that way, but I totally am, and I apologize for that even right now. But um, Yeba was mentioned, and you know I was like, hey, I'm going to check it out. And I heard Yeba, that is Y-E-B-B-A, and she has a song called Distance. this connective tissue to uh, this podcast for me. Um, I heard the drum set of Questlove, who was just mentioned in the D'Angelo track. Um, and I was like, okay, Questlove is involved. And the music, the sound, the groove, her voice, all of it just flows so beautifully together in this song called Distance. Um, and, you know, again... I have so much love for finding new music. I was so excited to find it. Um, and it's a beautiful song. I, and and that is as much as I can share and know to say. It is, it's gotten repeated play from me 
um, since I first ran into her music. And the rest of the album also jams. It's a, it's a very good album uh, in general, but this song, The Distance, or Distance, excuse me, is, is just uh, an amazing song. Yes, those are my four takes. Um, thank you for for listening to me talk about these things that I love, probably more than I should. But um, it's fun. It's fun to share music. It's fun to uh, share the connection. I, I am a huge fan of art. I think that all art is to be shared, and even if it's not my art, it still should be shared. So uh, I am glad to share this with you, and uh, hope you enjoy it. We did it, everyone. Another episode of the podcast in the books. And as I always like to say, in your hearts. Thank you so much, Sean, for doing the podcast. You did an amazing job. And of course, I knew that you would. Not only are you a hilarious comedian, but you're a dyed-in-the-wool music fan. You feel it in your bones. And we heard it in your words and your stories. And thank you for sharing those with us today. Everyone, please check out Sean's comedy at seansmith.com. Once again, that is S-E-A-N-S-M-Y-P-H.com. You can see stand-up clips. You can see sketches. You can see a music video from his first comedy album called You Don't Look Funny. You can actually get a copy of that album. Wouldn't that be a nice thing to do? I think it would be. Thank you, everyone, for listening to the podcast. Once again, if you don't mind, if you could rate, review, like, and subscribe, it really is a big deal. We really appreciate it if you can do that sort of thing. Take These Songs is created and hosted by Madelano Martin. That's me. Hi. Our theme music is by the instrumental space rock group Go To Space Die. Their new album, Red Air Don't Care, is available right now on Bandcamp.com. Pick up a copy. I guarantee that you'll love it. If you want to reach out and talk to us directly, please, we'd love to hear from you. The email is takethesesongspod at gmail.com. Once again, that is takethesesongspod at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from you. Any thoughts, comments, questions that you have about the podcast, we'd love to connect with you there. But until next time, this is Madelana Martin, hoping that all of you find some music to have and to hold. Take these songs.